It's the Paul Patterson and Tom Scallon podcast show. They're talking the walk and not about sloppy, sloppy Joes. So, talking walk, talk, talking walk. Talking walk, talk, talking walk. Talking walk, talk, talking walk show. Welcome back to Talking to Walk. This is episode 15. I am Paul Patterson. And I'm Tom Scum. Pitfall Harry is the name of this episode. And as we normally start off, you know, every every episode is is thanking um, Jake Brown for the original music that you heard. Um, Bailey Bishop with the original artwork that you saw. And then social media director Tyler Stanley helping us with um, all those platforms, the the Twitter, the Facebook, and the Instagram. Um, fact checker Jill Martin, she had to jump on and, and let me know that uh, we were I was incorrect on the uh, year for County Francis. It was 1962, not 1964. So I thank our, our um, fact checker, resident fact checker Jill Martin on that correction. And that then feels like that feels like uh, that might be a Roger Huff fact check and not a Jill Martin fact check. Hey, she's the one that she's the one that provided it. So we can't, okay. we can't look into where she got it from. We just know that that's what happened. And I don't even know. Does Roger listen to us? Don't even know. Um, marketing director is coming soon. Uh, Jeff Graby has promised us that, that this is going to be a position in which he fills and, and takes care of Scallon's t-shirt idea um, and, and runs with it. So we, we, we've got another guy coming, another position. So, podcast confessional. First and foremost, um, I'm just I'm going to bring up talking about masks, and I, this isn't the first time that I'm going to talk about masks. I understand the importance of them. Um, however, there are some things that make it difficult, uh, like it being hot out. That is a that's a struggle. Um, the amount of sweat that runs down my head into my mask and then gets soaked up is a is a struggle, and then whistling. That was the that was the one thing that we didn't even think of, you know, when we started to wear masks. Is how do we blow a whistle to stop a play? Well, you don't. You have to you have to take your mask and get it taken care of. Um, little side note: if you have not heard the Killers' new song "Caution," I'd recommend you listen to it. It's really good. I like it. I also really like using cruise control. What are your thoughts on cruise control? My thoughts on cruise control? Yeah. Do you I don't use know what, cruise control? Well, you're you're getting at something. Yes, I use cru- cruise control often. Okay, good, good. But I I don't use it in the left hand lane <laughs> while I'm driving. I I'm in the right hand lane with my cruise control. I don't go over to the left, set my cruise control, and force everyone to go around me on the right. I've gotten better with that. I have. I still travel more often on my trips in the left-hand lane than I do in the right-hand lane, but I will get over now more often. Well, sometimes I won't, but most of the time I get over. Hmm. I just, I love cruise control and I struggle with people who don't use it. Well, where, where I get fired up is when I'm on cruise control and I'm passing someone and then suddenly they go faster. So I can't pass them. And I'm like, fine. Then I get back over and then I have to pass them again because they've slowed down. Then they speed back up. And it, that's frustrating because I'm on cruise control. What's your issue? This, this is exactly, you and I are the exact same when it comes to that. That is very frustrating. I agree. And the worst, the worst one is when you have passed them, you have now moved over to the right lane and they have now sped up enough, just enough to cause it that when you're coming up on the semi that you're having to put your brake on the put your foot on the brake, you can't get over now because they have crept up close enough that you can't do that. Yep. It's just frustrating. So, I love cruise control. Um, I have started to incorporate jumping rope into my workouts now. And for those of you who are a jump rope um, fanatic, I would recommend cross rope for your jump rope. Just thought I'd share that with you. That, that's a little bit of a confessional, you know, coming out and, and uh, thinking cross rope's really good. And I got the idea from Garrett Westfold, who also has a cross rope. Um, you Wisconsin Badger fan, Sam Decker is a, is a cross rope fan. Just thought I'd share those things with you. 
Well, if we're doing confessional stuff. Um, we are actually, because we're in the podcast yeah, confessional. Yeah. At Hoover High School, uh, PE, you can have athletic PE in whatever sport you're in. Sixth period, you went to pretty much that sport and you did like agilities and workouts and things like that. It was really a cool thing. And I liked it, except basketball season when we did rope jumping, jumping Ooh. rope. We had to do all sorts of things. And believe it or not, I'm just not dexterous enough to do many of the things they said. Crossing the rope, I'd trip up, this or that. So I, I am not a, a jumping rope fan, and I didn't like being mocked by my teammates about my inability to jump rope as well as them. I gotta be honest with you, I think it's the quality of jump rope that makes the difference. The higher, and, and most of the time, PE departments do not have high quality jump ropes. I'm telling you, cross rope is a high quality jump rope. It probably could do with my two inch vertical just as much as the. Yeah, the jump rope, I mean, you'd be fine. Two inches is fine. You'd be just perfect with it. I have two left for podcast confessional. One, um, it is not going to change. You know, as we move forward, we're going we're gonna to institute our morning workouts again. But I will tell you, I have a lot more energy um, at practice in the afternoon when I don't have the morning workouts um, to go through or supervise. That, that is a, a sign of my age. And I'm comfortable saying that. <laughs> the other thing, here's another product plug. My energy drink that I take, um, not every day, but most days, is ID Life energy and it is fantastic as far as what it does for me in my um energy levels it is one heck of a boost well my energy drink is coke zero and it's okay uh but a real coca-cola now that's better than any any sort of wellness water with ionization added stuff that you're having a true coke is is the best and it's better for you than probably that water stuff you're having i well i don't know that i can agree with that um however you you should try a packet i'll have to bring you a packet and let you try this id life energy it is it's a game changer as far as it, it just it causes you to talk really fast and move around and stuff it's good um that was it for podcast confessional do you have any other confessions that you'd like to make inside the confessional or not well, I, I, um, I'm pretty sure all the players would really like for me to be hopped up on ID Life Energy. I, I'm sure they, right before Pursuit Drill, in fact. Have more energy. Yeah, that's yeah. what you need. I'm sure that's what they're thinking. So uh, feedback, you know, Jake, Jake Brown sent us a, a long one. You know, the first thing that he wanted to make sure was he was going to be fired up with me. If I didn't say anything about us two being the uh, grumpy old men in the balcony Muppets. Um, Statler and Waldorf, because that, that's we talk about us being them all the time um, before school as, as we're waiting for school. Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry, Jake, not trying to infringe on your twos territory. He also also enjoyed the uh, my comment about who am I going to sit by at parent meetings? You know, that's one of my concerns because he and I have the same conversation as we get ready to go to staff meetings. It's the same thing. Who are we going to sit by? Um, Gosh, I have this written down and I can't read it. I have no idea. Oh, anything? No, it's my handwriting is terrible. He and when he goes to a parent meeting, the the number one thing that he wants is cookies. That's what he wants. He wants coaches to provide cookies. Um, Cole Hopkins sent a uh, he caught up on on his podcast and and let us know that if there was one way that we were going to get you into the podcast confessional hot dogs was the route to go. And then he, he still loves, anytime his name is mentioned, the pause that comes from you. Um, he, he just, he, he relishes in that for some reason. I don't know why. Um, heard from Eric Neeson. You know, him, him and Kim both uh, listened to the part where we, we highlighted Kim being, you know, our, our positive with the, uh, the kidney that she donated to a friend and, and she's at home recovering and they, they, well, Eric spoke for her, but both were very appreciative of us highlighting that. And, you know, and, and you and I both commented back to him about, you know, one, we know who the better person is in that relationship. And two, um, 
we, we just thought it was appropriate for us to, to highlight something like that because that's, you know, in, in a time where we have a, a focus, a heavy focus on negative things, something like that should be brought to light and, and what a remarkable person she is for doing what she did. Um, Jeff Graby, he sent back, you know, the, the, he, he went, cause he went with both. So he went with, um, Iowa city being a place that he really likes to go for vacation. He also likes to go to the cabin, um, his uncle's cabin where, where everybody can get together and they do that once a year where all the cousins come and all the kids of the cousins come and, and just a, a massive amount of people up there to, to hang out. Um, then he got into parent meetings and he really liked, uh, or, or one of the biggest things he said is, is he wants to make sure that he is making connection with the parents. And then anytime that an issue arises, he wants to make sure that that first meeting is either a phone call or in person because he doesn't want it to be an email. He wants it to be uh, a, a, at least where he, that person can hear them, if not see them. Um, Christy responded and, and she wanted us to know that, you know, for a parent meeting, she just wants the, the parents to know, or she wants the coach to make sure they're sharing with the parents, you know, truthful things and not, not, uh, um, surrounding things with fluff or, or, um, you know, saying that this is really what we want to have happen and then it not be the case. Um, and then of course I talked about Jill Martin, um, Bailey Bishop, by the way, commented about, we definitely are two hens a clucking, um, when we were talking about her and Garrett and she heard that from Michelle Flores. She didn't actually listen to the podcast, but Michelle Flores told her that we were talking about her and Garrett. Um, just heard from Jason Buskey, and um, he he was pretty excited about our uh, our non-sponsor being Atari and and old school gaming systems. He was he was excited about that. And then for me, we may have missed a couple. I don't know, but but Dennis Burra is is one, and his he had Jace, his son, somehow trapped in listening to the podcast, and the part came up about you saying you were gonna sell him to the gypsies. And so Jace got a, like a, a um, puzzled look on his face and said, why would your coach want to sell you to the gypsies? And then Dennis had to try to explain, you know, he just said that he didn't really mean it or whatever. And then a, a, some time passed by and then Jace came back and said, but, Dad, can he sell you to the gypsies or can he not sell you to the gypsies? So um, Dennis's son, very, very concerned about being his dad being sold to uh, the gypsies. Well, first of all, it's inappropriate and I shouldn't have said it way back then. Um, I think we're talking about mistakes as coaches, so we can start with that one. Second, no, I have no power to, to sell him, but I did have the power to make him watch film for a long time. True, true. Still have that. Okay, that's it for feedback from me. I don't know if you heard anything from anybody. Well, just a uh, brother-in-law. One's lobbying to get on the podcast. The other seemed indifferent. Um, I'm still a no vote to that for reasons I won't disclose. And... Um, uh, I was told last night that we're getting long-winded, so we need to speed up our talk. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Um, high school sports, moving on to high school sports. I thought the first thing that we probably should start with is, is surrounding states and what's going on. Um, Wisconsin has, has a, they have a strange plan um, going on right now. You know, originally they were, they were in, then they were, then they were moving things to the spring and now they have changed to, um, they're allowing you to play in the fall if you want, but if it gets to a point where you can't play games because of quarantine, then you can go to the spring and play a modified season and a modified schedule. And, it, and it's just a, it's a strange um, decision and, and, a, and a, a strange way of trying to get it done. No state championships for them. They would, they would play seven regular season games starting in September. And I can't remember what the date, September 21st, I think was the first Friday, um, play seven games. And then based on where you finish, they would have district champions or, or area champions. And then those people would play a couple times and then that would be it for the season in the fall. Um, Illinois has moved to the spring. Um, Missouri is going on as scheduled 
Nebraska has a pocket that is not playing in the rest are, right? Omaha is not playing, but everybody else in the state is playing. Um, Minnesota has moved to the spring. Um, Kansas, I think, is still going, similar to us. Missouri and Kansas, I think, are similar to, uh, to Iowa. Um, and then South Dakota and North Dakota, I think North Dakota has moved to the spring, and I can't remember what South Dakota has done, but, but there's a, a wide range of things that are going on um, right now and, and across the nation, you know, and one of the things that has helped us stay up to that is, is you know, that, that um, Football Coaches Alliance that we're a part of um, sends out updates all the time, and, and they've got a spreadsheet that has what people are doing in their states, and it's, 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 uh, a, a, it's running the whole spectrum of what to do and how to do it um, with what people are decided to do. Did you see what they were doing with spring sports? I mean, what's happening to track? Some of them are flopping to the fall. I mean, they're, they're, they're so when they move, and then like Minnesota, they are doing, um, so when they come out of winter, they are doing spring one, which is basically your fall sports. And then they're doing spring two, which is actually gonna go into the summer. And that'll be, you know, what they typically would have for spring. They don't have summer sports, but they're going to next year or this school year, they're going to have it. And so that, that's the one I know for sure um, what they're doing and then others are flipping you know and some of them aren't putting everything into the spring they're just moving volleyball and football and soccer to the spring and they're keeping cross country and then moving some of those other sports um, tennis and, and golf and things like that to the fall so it, it's a I, I am thankful for the association and the girls union sticking to what we're doing and making it work right now I think that's a really good thing yeah, I um, also thankful. I I was wondering the other day though if we shouldn't have started off with district games, right from the get go, oh, sure. and then play your two non-district games if you'd want to play the last two weeks. Because boy, if you make it through all the way to the end and all of a sudden get dinged with an outbreak of some sort and then have to quarantine a number or a large number of players. If I were to guess as to why that's the case, it, I, I think they're they're predicting, or I shouldn't say predicting, they're anticipating more of an outbreak when kids come back to school right away, as opposed to later in September and October. So that's why you have those two games, and that's why they gave you the option of not playing them. You don't have to play weeks one and two. You could just roll right into week three, which is your first district game, and go. Because all that's those kids are now coming back to school. But that's my point is that you could you might be able to have district champions if you can get all five games in for everybody and then decide whether or not you even want to do the two games after that. Like some baseball teams, whether they did that with the blessing of the association or just kind of said, eh, we're done. We're not going to play this game because it has no bearing on anything and and we don't want to risk contact with. Right. Well, I just I just think it'll be interesting to see what happens when school starts. And I think that's where they see the greatest threat to, um, you know, an influx of, of cases coming up is when all the kids are back in. Yeah. In school. Well, I mean, just that school in Georgia is now shut itself down after nine days. Everybody back. No masks. We'll see what we are. If anything else is happening different tomorrow night at an emergency board meeting. Um, it'll be the last point that there's any changes to the return to learn plan. Right. Um, NCAA, you know, big, big news there just from, from all the different conferences that, and, and what they've decided to do. And I think that that's, a, um, that's something that we need to make sure we're keeping an eye on, you know, as, as high school coaches, just because that's going to, it always trickles, right? And, and it comes down. So we need to make sure that we're, we're paying attention to what's happening there. Um, and just having an idea, you know, in the association, athletic association had a meeting on Friday, a Zoom meeting on Friday and, and talked about all the different things that are going on and basically wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page as far as clarification with things that are that are happening. Um, and and it was it was interesting to hear some of the things, you know, right now their their deal with transportation is if you don't have mass, you got to be six feet apart. And that's, you know, like 11 people on a bus. Um, and, and I'm going to talk more about that here in just a minute about some of the other things, but, but it was good to hear them say what we needed to do, you know, and, and hear in, in person um, 
their thoughts on, on what's happening and just making sure that we understand that we're very fluid right now as far as changes that can happen and, and where, where things may go and, and how things will look. And we just need to make sure that we're ready to, ready to change on the fly if we need to. Word of the year, fluid. It's a Fair. fluid situation. Yeah. And, you know, droplets and things like that also fluid, um, which is kind of gross, but still the same thing. Um, and then Department of Ed and, and uh, the Moines Public School System. You know, the, the fight that's going gonna happen there from Department of Ed saying, if you're all virtual, there are no um, high school extracurriculars for you. You do not get to participate in sports. Des Moines has said, we are going to, uh, to the all virtual model. And now you have, uh, and, and Roosevelt's the only one that I've heard from, from the, uh, you know, because they're, they're the ones that have been interviewed the most. Um, now the coaches are speaking out about what's going on and what kind of effect that's gonna have on their kids and, and everything. And, and it's a mess, in other words. Well, yeah, I, um, you know, I tweeted out about that. I just, you're, to me, you're putting kids in the middle of a political argument. You know, this is Des Moines saying we're not going to follow the governor's statement, you know, of more than 50% have to, that declaration. They're going to do virtual. So the governor's first, first thing she said was, well, people could lose licenses. And then she said, schools might not be accredited, meaning kids graduating wouldn't have the, the credits. Um, and now she's, you know, brought up sports. And, and it's just, I learned a long time ago from Mr. Barnhill that you just don't put kids in the middle of, of these discussions. And I don't care whether that was just us talking about Norwalk High School or now the state. That's, it's wrong to do to play political football with those guys. No pun intended. Ah, okay, good, good. I, I just, it, it, and, and what's going to come from it, you know, and that, that's the thing that um, is unfortunate for those kids, you know, because they've already missed a lot. Yeah, and there's, there's opportunities lost there. There's recruiting, you know, you don't get to get seen, people can't come in, they can't find whether it's that, whether that, it's that uh, hidden player that we didn't know about that, you know, had a great growth spurt or just had a, is really prepared for this year, a breakout year. You know, we've had players like that, that all of a sudden everybody's all over. Uh, places like Simpson that can come into Des Moines and recruit kids, but they got to know about them. You know, you got to be able to see them play. It just, there's a lot of opportunity lost. And, you know, you and I already had the scholarship talk. There's not a lot of kids that are going to get a scholarship. But you have no chance if you've got no film, you know, it, and that makes it really tough. And so I, I don't know why, I don't know why this is the lever by which the state's trying to make Des Moines do what it wants to do. Because uh, in the end, it's the kids, that, that the students that get that get hurt by that decision. I think the, the two things that I'm most curious about moving forward is, are they gonna do the same thing with the Des Moines school kids that they did this summer with baseball and softball? If you chose not to play baseball and softball, your kids could go someplace else without having to, the, to endure the 90 day sit transfer rule. So are they going to open that up again, just like they did? And, and you're going to get an influx of Des Moines kids leaving. That's one. The second one is, if you do have a kid that is football, are they going to stay in Des Moines for a little bit longer? And then are they going to move to a state that's going to play football in the spring so that they can have, you know, the, the reverse of what's going on now in the state of Iowa? I, I'll be curious to see what happens there if, if Des Moines sticks to virtual and Department of Ed sticks to no extracurriculars and Des Moines does not get to play extracurriculars. We could have a, could have a whole bunch of people moving yeah. south. Yeah, no doubt. Buy a, house, buy a house for a year with a low interest rate. Now, number one, I don't think they'll allow players to um, go play somewhere else because it's not the school choosing not to play is the state saying you can't play. So I, I think they would just say you're out because, you know, we're, you're not going to get that exemption because it's a different, different people making the choice. Just curious to see. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, and then for us, you know, again, talking about masks, you know, and all the different things that, uh, that come along with that. And, and it's, I understand it has to happen and, and that's the route we're going. And so, we just have to figure out how to get, you know, adapt to it. And we have to figure out how to get used to it and, and we'll be okay. Um, we do have electronic whistles um, 
ordered and, and they will be coming so we can hold on to those in our hand and, and still get things done. Um, the number one mistake that the coaching staff still makes is trying to put the whistle in through the mask and it's, it's ineffective, basically, what it boils down to. It's also difficult to put the whistle underneath the gator and try to just keep it there with the tension of the gator and yep. try to whistle and that gets really sloppy. Yeah, yeah, tough. Um, and then we still have some things that we have to get figured out, you know, from, from our own end. Um, what is transportation going to look like on Friday nights and Monday nights when we go to, you know, all of our contests? Um, what does attendance look like as far as in the stadium? And, and I have not heard anything about that. The only thing that I, that I can say right now that I'm, I'm pretty, pretty positive is going to happen is that if you're coming to a contest here at Norwalk High School, you're going to have to have a mask. And it won't matter what age you are. Uh, agree. And if you go into the auditorium, uh, the auditorium has caution tape all over. Uh, it's pretty much, I, I can't say this for sure, but it looks like it's cut down to about 50% at best. And there's caution tape on certain rows where you can't sit. Now, I don't know. I don't know what the, what uh, protocols they're going by, but that's what the auditorium looks like. And then the Last thing that we're going to have to get figured out, and this is not only for us ourselves, but then also when we are bringing opposing teams in, is what does our locker room look like? What do we do before a game? How does that look? What does it look like after a game? What does it look like at halftime? What does it look like when you're coming off the field after your warm up, you know, and you have that little break? We, we've got to figure out our locker room etiquette and our locker room um, protocols and guidelines uh, at this point in time, and we don't know what those are. And I don't know who's. Uh, I don't know when that's going to be decided, but it's got to be decided here coming up soon so that we can we can get that out to people who are coming to us. Well, if our crowd's reduced, one of the things that I was thinking about is do we go under the bleachers, move some of the goals and stuff and sure. put some whiteboards there and even provide room on the far end for the other team under our home bleachers? Because there's enough room where you could go in there, still have some distance. Um, we could, we could. It couldn't be a regular Friday night, you know what I mean? If it's a regular yeah. Friday night, that'd be too crazy. We could also clear out the uh, the building, the shed at the at the south end, and and go in there because that's bigger than our our halftime room. You know, we're we're gonna have to have we have to have a plan, and we've got to come up with it. So that's it for high school sports. You know, we're we're gearing up for uh, um, this week will be scrimmages for most people, and then the next week will be week one. So we, we've got some things coming up. Do you have anything else high school sports wise? Uh, no, I, I'm just glad right now we're, you know, we're all here in Iowa still scheduled to play. Excited about that. Just got done talking to my nephew, Kale, about he's excited to play too. Um, so, uh, you know, we both said to each other, looking forward to seeing each other in a few weeks. Right. Um, we have uh, now to the Papa Burger portion. And, and of course, the, the episode is called Pitfall Harry. And basically what this boils down to is is some of the mistakes that we've made that hopefully people will be able to learn from you know and and hear what we're saying and and the crazy thing about this is one of the one of the other podcasts that I listened to which is off duty ADs um and I talked to Mike Hughes about this was I was thinking that this was going to be our podcast um topic even before I listened to off duty ADs and that's what they had they had the same thing you know the the mistakes that they made um as young ADs and trying to help some of the ADs that are, you know, young and also listening to their podcast. So I just thought that was incredible um, timing out of both of us, you know, thinking that we would do the same thing. So that's where we're at, you know, and again, our non-sponsor is, uh, is Atari, um, created in 1972. So my first one, are you okay if I go first or do you want to go first on this? No, you can go first. My first one was I thought that I had to yell all the time. I was a yeller when I first started coaching, yelled all the time. And, and now I, I, there are times when I do yell, but it is very infrequent compared to um, my early time in my career. So that's number one for me. Oh, well, I, I have that same one. I think when I first became head coach, I was so focused on um, trying to improve us that I just thought I could will through energy and yelling and tempo and bravado 
us to be better. But, you know, that, that didn't work either. We were still one and eight the first year. Beat Perry, by the way. 25-18, I do believe, was the final. Um, the next one for me was it refused to ask for help. And, and I still am, I find myself in that little pitfall um, every once in a while. You know, that and, and for me, not just refusing to ask for help, but, but refusing to delegate things. You know, I, I try to take as much on my plate as possible because I feel like it's, that's my way of helping people free other people up so that they don't have to worry about it. Well, at the same time, how healthy is that for me to continue to, to pile things on my plate? So um, refusing to ask for help and refusing to delegate would, would go hand in hand, in my opinion, for myself, as far as a, uh, a mistake made. Well, continuing with my first one, I think sometimes some of the things when I was younger that came out of my mouth are wrong. And I still have uh, diary of the mouth every now and then, but I've tried to make my critiques of players much more specific to the skill we're trying to teach them than generalizing with, you've got to be tougher or you're not fast enough or this or this, you know, it's how can you do this better consistently execute over a period of time. Which oftentimes ends up being an attack on their character in their opinion, you know, as they're, as they're receiving that, that information about not being tough enough or whatever, whatever else you just said there. Um, that, that, that seems like a character attack as opposed to a skill attack. Right. Um, communication. I was absolutely, not that I'm great at it now. Um, and I don't know if anybody has noticed, but I have, I have been away from the Twitter world um, and I have, there, there's a time coming where it is just going to be an atom bomb of Twitter um, feeds coming at you because I have avoided being on Twitter um, just because I've, I've been so, un anyway, communication has been um, something that, that I still struggle with, you know, and, and try to get better at it. You know, I think our parent meetings are a little bit better as far as what information is given to them, but at the same time then, some of those day-to-day -day things are not communicated well um, from my end, and, and I need to get better at that, but at the same time, I am much farther along than where I was when I first started. Well, I mean, communication is one of those things that are, that are you know, dogs trying to get on the podcast. Communications are one of those things that's just very important all the time. Uh, even, you know, you say with parents, what I worry about now, um, you know, when you're talking about young coaches avoiding and you're talking about things on your plate with some of the administrative things that I have and um, the time that I get to spend on football, a lot of it is on the organizational side. I don't feel like I get to connect with the players as much as I used to. And that's the most important thing about what we do. You know, I, I can get them ready for games. I can get them coached up. I can get them this, but I don't get to spend – when I was a young coach, I think it was a strength of mine, but I had all summer with the soccer team. We could sit and chat afterwards with those guys and just have conversations about things other than sports. And now, I, you know, uh, I, I guess that's my advice for young coaches. You've got to have those talks. And I still need to have those talks. I'm just struggling with how to fit it in with all the other things that are going on right now. I think the, the you know, to follow up with that, that that's where the administration is going as far as you know they're getting further and further away from daily interaction with the kids and they're going more and more you know policy and curriculum and things like that where that that piece still is important you know in order for you to be a good leader i think you still have to have a good relationship with whoever it is that you're leading um right. so i think certainly the the drive towards trying to be marzano certified it is about relationships, but it's about, about a lot about teaching and learning. Teachers are the most important thing when it comes to a classroom. And so for our principals, a lot of their time is spent in evaluation. Well, uh, I think the way most of our principals try to do it is by coaching. And that just takes up a lot of time. But in that same thing is it starts to take away time from uh, spending it with kids and getting to know kids and getting the pulse on your building. And not to say that they all don't have it. I'm not saying that at all. I just, it's, it's a tough demand. Right. Right. And, and that's, you know, it's, it's a pitfall and yeah. it can be, it can be really, really detrimental to the job you do based on how you, you handle it. You know, uh, for me, parent, parent relations, as far as man, back in the day, you know, we, we were, 
and I'm talking Christy and I were were you know very 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 you know almost almost befriending parents, and then we learned in a in a hurry um, what that gets you, you know because parents are nice to you, um, but ultimately the the number one thing that they care about is the the well being of their child, and oftentimes they care about um, whether or not they're playing, and. So then, then it was, you know, we went from that getting burned a couple times to just cutting, cutting it all off as far as relations and not interacting with parents at all. And now trying to swing back around and understanding how important they are to our culture and making sure. So um, I, if you're a young coach, I think the most important thing for you to do is remain professional, but, but available for parents. That would be an area in which I struggled. I went too far from the professional side to the personal side and, and it wasn't good. And then it took me a long time to recover from that. Well, I think that's why you see a lot of coaches hanging out with coaches. Right. Uh, just because you, you can get yourself in situations with great people, but um, you end up getting asked questions about, well, why this or why that? And, you know, you then you start sounding like you're, Kirk Ferentz on TV, where he he starts with some answer, then he goes off on 15 minutes of, I've been around coaching for forever, so I can give you whatever answer I want. You know, it's all, it's it's nothing with substance. It's just talking about, on a surface level, about football and things like that. Because you can't get into some of the nitty gritty with parents, because it's not right to do. It's it's crash helping nuke on the uh, um, on the bus in Bull Durham. Yes. On on how to respond. Kirk Ferentz is that way. Um, for me, you know, the, the building relationships was a, was a pitfall for me. I wasn't very good at it and didn't spend any time on it because it, it just, it wasn't very important. Um, you know, and, and I can tie that in with the, the, the other one, one of the other ones that I had written down, which was focused on winning alone. You know, we, we were so driven to try and figure out a way to win that we lost sight of what really was important. And it wasn't the winning that was important. It was the the relationship and the connection that you make with the kids. And, and right now, um, I think we have, we have finally shifted that um, to the right spot. And, and now, you know, relationships and, and um, building those connections with kids is what's most important and winning is secondary to that. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, it took us a while to do is learn the right things. For a while, we go to clinics, we try to learn everything. Try to I'm gonna, everything. That's one of my things I've got on here is oh, yeah. clinics. I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd go, what? You'd send me into different clinics, and I would just take the PowerPoint at the time. Wouldn't stay for the clinic. Just give me the PowerPoint, because I, I don't need to see all the stuff. I just want to see some of the things you're doing, you know, and bounce around, and, oh, this guy does this, this guy does that. And once we uh, found our philosophy, and once we found our systems, and uh, you know, we've, we've shifted things a little bit defensively, but we've been in our three, four, and we've just kind of changed the way we teach some things. Learn. It's good to learn, but make sure you're, you're getting specific on what you're learning. So I'm going to, so I'm going to, I'm going to shift then instead of going in the, in the order that I was going to go in, I'm going to, I'll jump to clinics. And, and I think that to me was, we, we didn't really have our direction. You know, we, we were so young and so, I don't know if impressionable is the right word, but we were, we were so hungry to win that if you won, if you were a really good coach, a really successful coach as far as wins and losses and everything, and you had something to say, we were listening to you and we were going to try and incorporate something from what you did to our program because you're winning with it. You know, and, and I will always tell this story, you know, I, I would go visit Gary Swenson at, at Valley and talk about various things that were going on in the program. And I finally had come to him one time and, and, you know, the old stadium, the way that it was set up was we came up the hill through the crowd into the, into the locker room. And oftentimes parents and, and other people were there to, to intercept the kids and they were talking to them or whatever. And so I went and talked to Gary and I said, Hey, how do I, how do I do? I mean, what do I do here? You know? And he finally looked at me and he said, Hey, Paul, that is specific to your program. I can't help you with what you need to do at Norwalk when it comes to that. That's a decision you have to make and it's specific only to you. I never went back to Gary Swenson again because it was time for me to start taking care of what we did. Not, not take care of what other people did and incorporate that into our program, but take care of what we did. 
and shifting yourself in that thought process, I think is vitally important for you um, in, in having some success. Yeah, I, you're talking about some of the maybe philosophy and culture aspects. And I think it's the same for how we're going to play certain things. How are we going to play option? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Well, you know, University of Iowa played Georgia Tech and in the flex bone and they played it a certain way. I don't know if we can play it that way, you know, but we have a way that we try to play it and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. And it's more about how do we teach it well and how do we implement what we want to do with fidelity and then how do we execute it. And if you just hammer down onto here's our philosophy, here's what we do and here's how we can fine tune things. Those are, that's what you got to learn. And, and remember that tackle set back farther in the backfield when they were going, um, it was either run away or play action that uh, Norm Parker had noticed. And so they hammered him every time that that guy set back just a little bit farther um, in that game. Cause he, yeah. he did a clinic talk with us. Yeah. Remember that when he came yeah. down for that mini clinic, he talked about it. Well, it's also Georgia tech was making news cause they were bringing option back, even though, you know, Navy and stuff have been doing that. And they just ran into the wrong defensive coordinator because Norm grew up with option flexible, you know. And they had a month to get ready as opposed to a week. Right. That also made a difference. You know, getting bowl preparation made a huge difference. Um, another pitfall for me, thinking that everybody had to do it the same way I would. Well, that isn't how I would do that drill, or that isn't how I would do that. And, and early on, boy, that ruffles a lot of feathers when you, when you are trying to convince people that the way you're doing it is right and the way they're doing it is wrong. Um, that's tough to, tough to sell people on. Yeah. I mean, anytime you do drills, we can explain what we do. But then when I coach them, the nuances of it, you know, do I always explain all the nuances when I'm talking to somebody? Well, not always because I'm neurotic and I don't want to tell them everything we do. But um, the nuances of what you do and why you do it are pretty important. Well, I guess for me, when I'm, when I'm saying that, um, thinking that everybody had to do it my way, I'm talking about people that were on staff with us. If, oh. if, they, were, if they were doing a drill that I, I used to run or whatever, I would go down and help them. You know, oh, no, 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 you, you probably need to do it this way. And now, I, I got to be honest with you, I don't know what most people are doing in individual. Do you know why? Because they don't care at this point in time. It's their job to get to get whatever we need skill-wise taught to them, and it's their, their responsibility to take care of it. I'm much better with that now than what I used to. I used to be having to, you thought I had to have my hand in everything. Well, I, so I agree and disagree. I like it. Um, yes, I don't think you need to have your hand in everything, but there was a time when I was head and then it shifted over to you, and we had a lot of older people on the staff. I shouldn't say older people, coaches with experience on the staff. <laughs> And things just ran like that. And then when we got really young and we lost all that experience, we struggled because we had people that you could say, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this. Yep, I know how to do it. I know how to coach it. No problem. When you bring in a lot of young coaches, they may not know how to do it. They might not have played football in college, might have just played in high school, don't know their experience, could be limited. You now have a staff that – you know, uh, who was here last? Matt Rampton? Well, yeah, I mean, Chad I would Spencer. be the last one. Right. Chad and Jordan would be the last two. Chad's been here a long time. Jordan, Spencer obviously is just brand new. Don. But the majority of your, your varsity staff has well, now been here. Be Brandon. Bro, yeah. So that's. Oh, no. I guess it'd be Bo. It'd be Bo and Don would be the last yeah. two. But how long is that? Six years? Quite a while. Right. So now it's much easier for us to say, hey, I don't like how this is happening or, hey, we talk about a drill and then, yep, I got it. You know, I don't, Bo and I can have a two word conversation about linebackers and I'll be like, hey, yeah, I got it. Just because we're watching something happen, and we'll fix it. Sure. So but that's, I that's, that's my pushback is that now you don't have to have your hand in it because you didn't have to bring everybody along to a point where, okay, now they all know how to do it. At some point, we, we had a young staff that you and I were about the only two that had been coaching for some time. But I also think where I also struggled 
early on was thinking that, you know, the way I yelled it or the way that I coached it and the words I use, I mean, everything about it, I thought had to be like me. I can still give you a drill to do and let you be you in running that drill. And that's where I think you, you've got to be, you've got to be careful in how much you're trying to impress upon because you're not perfect. You know, my, the way that I do things is not the, is not the perfect way, nor, nor in a lot of cases, is it the right way compared to what you're doing? You know, so in the way that you're doing. You're arguing that cherry's on the north side. Oof, boy, what an argument that was. <laughs> Something along those lines. So I, I mean, I just think you have to be very cautious when, when you are young about how you go about helping people get to where you want them to be. They have to have some autonomy and some ownership in, in the path they take. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. All I'm saying is that just like when you have a new teacher versus an experienced teacher, there's a little bit more uh, guidance that the new teacher needs than the experienced teacher. Yeah. And, and you do a really good job of asking questions to help them get to a place as opposed to the way that I was doing, which was, no, you just will do it this way. And, and I think because you're giving them ownership with it, I think that's very good. Um, do you, have, do you have another one or not? I've got a couple more to go. <laughs> no, I, I, I make no more mistakes than that. Okay, good. Um, admitting when wrong. That's a big one for me. And it's still I, admitting when I'm wrong. Oh. That, that never happened when I was younger, ever. I would argue with you until the day ended because I, I was not going to let go. I'm better, but I still have room for improvement when it comes to admitting when I'm wrong. Well, that could be a lot of our staff. <laughs> We've had some good arguments about stuff, and everybody thinks they everybody thinks they have a a, a valid viewpoint and that their viewpoint's right. But. Well, you could think. I mean, even thinking back to you know that Wednesday night when when the association sent out the guidelines for football, and us having that conversation about how 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 is football going to look at Norwalk, that was a passionate um, discussion at, at several points in time when it came to that. Um, here's, here is one of the bigger ones for me, and it's still big because I'm still terrible at it. Equipment. Knowing what to order, knowing, knowing how to order it. I don't, I shouldn't say how to order it. I know how to order, but, but what to order and how much of what we should order and everything. And I think, so here's where I'm going with that. Number one, if you can hire an equipment manager, we still have yet to do that at Norwalk, but I think, I think that's something that Al needs to get done. He needs to find an equipment manager for all sports that takes care of all checkout, all check-in, all issuing of equipment, all inventory, and all ordering. Second, um, I think, and this is where, I, this is where I, it's okay not to be good at something. And it's okay to admit that you're not good at something. And I'm not good at it. It's like a, a podcast confessional in the middle of, of, the uh, the Papa Burger section here, but I'm not good at equipment. I'm not good at the 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 check in, the checkout, the how much of this should we order, and we are always scrambling after we hand equipment out. Oh shoot, we're out of this. Well, I, let me call Cal. I better figure it out. Let me call um, Blake. Let me call Dan and figure out if we can get some more of that. So it's okay. Yeah. Well, the the good thing. Well, I don't know if this is a good thing, but the kids. When they came back this year and I tried to give them their wristbands, oh no, coach, I've got mine. Yeah. Oh, okay, so you didn't turn your wristband in? Well, I knew I was coming back. I just, I just kept my, I like my wristband. The problem is the seniors, I think, also keep their wristbands. And it seems like their helmet. It seems like there's helmets floating around everywhere. We shouldn't talk about that. That's not a good thing to talk well, about. Well, those are, those are the bad helmets. They must steal the oh, bad Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. But, I just, you know, we think because of the positions that we're in that we have to be good at everything or we have to be able to handle everything. And I'm telling you, it's okay not to. It's okay to be bad at it. And if Eric Neeson, and I know he's listening to this, the number one thing that he would tell you is I'm bad at taking notes um, when it comes to meetings. I'm bad at my, um, my paperwork trail when it comes to things like that. And so he has realized that after working with me for as many years as he has, and now he takes care of the note-taking in meetings. Yeah, 
it's a good thing you moved out of the special education field. Well, without a doubt. You wouldn't Elizabeth be Wingem right would have had to say that one more time. You wouldn't be coaching right now. Correct. Um, Elizabeth Wingem would have had to continue to be my, my consultant because she takes care of paperwork better than anybody. Um, but again, back to the whole thing. It's okay not to be good at something and it's okay to admit that you're not good at something. Um, and it's okay for people to help you with that. Do you have anything else? Nope. I got one more. Okay. You ready? Because I had talked about focusing on winning alone, you know, and we, we're now more into the, the culture and the relationship side of things, which I think is an important shift for us. Worrying about what others think. Now, a little background on this stems from that, oh, right around 2006 and seven time here at Norwalk when there was a petition to get me fired, um, signed by many, many parents who were in the football program because they didn't think that I did a very good job. I didn't I know worried, about it. Yeah, I worried what people thought at that point in time because you never, I mean, who's, who's on your side, who's not on your side? Well, well, shoot, we just fake punt again, ran fake punt again at Pella. There goes a couple more signatures onto, the, onto that. And I'm now to the point where I don't worry so much. And, and it isn't so much because we're better than where we were. I think it's because I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm really comfortable in what we're doing from, from every aspect of, of our program, from the senior trip to squads, to you know, our, our spirit breakfast, to, to nutrition table, to our theme, all of those things have, have helped put us, and those are things that we weren't doing back then. And so, you know, you, you, when, you're, when you're in, what do you say when you're on shaky ground? It, it makes it tough for you to, to take a stand. Um, don't, don't build a house on a shaky foundation. And, and, that's, and that's where we were back in the day. And, and I'm now better. I still get bothered by when people, you know, have something bad to say about Norwalk football or bad to say about myself. Um, but I don't worry about it like I used to um, back in the day. Oh, you're done. Okay. I thought I thought you were shaking your head like you were going to say something and then and then didn't say anything. I, I was. Well, I, I was thinking about the shaky foundation. Actually, what I was thinking about is number one, the fake pun at Pella was good in theory. I mean, the 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 actual <laughs> the execution was poor. Okay. So first of all, the first fake punt, fine. The next three, not fine. All I'm saying is that the way it was drawn up was perfect the issue the issue was the implementation and and not this is so this is a mistake young coaches make you figure that the young person even though they're given liberty to fake or not would realize after they do try it once it's going to be looked for well that should have been explained more thoroughly to the young man i'm just saying the way it was drawn up it was good. I agree with that. Field position should have also been a factor. When he, when he ran the fake inside the, our own 30 um, and gave them a really short field, that did not work out very well for us. Uh, we faked a punt against Grinnell when they were ranked number one from our like three yard line. So how you like those apples? How'd that go for us? We got it by a yard. And? We ended up losing. Okay, the that I, the game is where I was trying to go. And that, hey, so, but the first half it was ten to three. Okay. So that is the that's the the Papa Burger section, Mark. I hope that was short enough and quick enough for you. Um, and you know, for us, the 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 pitfalls. So what I would like to do is is hear from some of you, you know, that are out there, our our listeners of of talking the walk, and and let us know some of the areas that you you had a little pitfall and, and whether that has been corrected or you're still struggling with it, but, but give us some areas where, where you have struggled, because I think that's important for us to hear from other people to, uh, to help, you know, we, we've only got two, two experiences, you know, yours and mine, as far as that goes. And, and if we could expand that a little bit, maybe we can help somebody out of a, out of a situation that they're having a tough time with right now. So that's where we're at with that. So we're going to move on. If you're okay, we're going to move on to uh, the history portion. You ready? Um, so I decided seeing the, uh, the, the boys cross country rankings came out in 4A, 
Um, and Norwalk, now, now that we have moved up to 4A and cross country, has, was put as a team to watch. So I decided, hey, let's go back and find out the history of boys cross country here at Norwalk. Well, and I don't know how many people know this, but my number one place to go for history, Norwalk history, is yearbooks. So I went back to the yearbooks. Um, 1938 is the first yearbook that we have in there. And then there's a huge gap. But I looked through a really, I, I mean, in, in a, a lot of yearbooks. Fall of 1991 is the first year that we have cross country. So 1953 or 55, I can't remember. One of those two years is the first year that we have yearbook. 1991, I don't know if, anybody, if anybody's drawing the connection of how many yearbooks I looked through before I found cross country. 1991, fall of 91 was the first year that we had cross country. Boys and girls were combined for many, many years. Um, as far as they just, they, this team photo was together, same head coach, same assistant coach. And Roger Huff was the first head coach in Norwalk history. How many total head coaches of boys cross country have there been in the history of Norwalk cross country since 1991? Well, I want to say three. Well, I know there's at least three, but I think I'm missing somebody in between. Huff, Boyce, Huff, Boyce, and Coach Larson. Yeah, Coach Chad three. Larson. Three. Assistant coaches. Um, by the way, in 1993, the boys finished sixth in 2A. Um, Josh Hughes and I don't know how that I don't know how that that works out because you know this past fall was the first time that the boys had made the state cross country meet so I'm not sure how they finished it must have been just final rankings that they finished sixth and not actually at the state tournament so I'm not sure um, fact checker Joe Martin will you please confer with your stepfather um, Roger Huff on that and find out um, what's going on there um, assistant coach Don Kilstrom, she was for sure in 1995. I didn't see her in any other pictures or mentioned any other time, but I thought that there was a picture down here in the, um, in the uh, uh, trophy case that she was in a, a team photo. Um, so she might have been there a little bit earlier. Um, Jeff Dyer joined in 1996. Jan Smith joined in 1999. These are all the assistants. Um, Kevin Boyce took over in 2009 as the head coach. Michelle Weedman. Uh, joined as a uh, as an assistant in 2007, and then Chad Larson took over. His first season was 2017, so that would be the uh, the history of um, Norwalk Boys cross country. 1991 start date or start year. Yeah. I think they're pretty excited about this year. Uh, you know, they got a lot of talented runners, and uh, could be a great year for them. They got a lot of kids out. I think they have. 40 or so kids out. So Coach Larson has really grown the program. And I think when you grow your program, you get more athletes out. You get more athletes out. You have your chance for to move up rankings and things like that. And kids seem to enjoy it outside of running five to eight miles a day. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're out for cross country, more than likely you enjoy running. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if my son would say that. So why is he out for cross country if he doesn't enjoy running? I, he's good at it. I mean, okay. he's not like he's not like great, great, but he's, you know, he's all right. So Man. I, I don't. He he would say mom and dad forced him to be in an activity. <laughs> and is that true? Mom and dad like uh, the children in the Scallon household to be active. Yes. Okay. So he is he is right. That is true. And um, that's it for, for the history portion. Now going to move on to the, the positive. And, you know, as you and I talked before, uh, we got going. The, the, the positive for me is, is Peter Sand. Um, I, I think he's in a difficult position just straight from being an athletic trainer. But he's, he's also got a lot of things on his plate. Not only does he have to take care of all the athletes like he normally would, but now he has to try and communicate with Warren County health offices continually and ask them questions and try to get advice and try to get um, what they think should happen in, in certain situations. Then he also has to communicate with Al. 
he also in time and in some certain cases has to has to communicate with our superintendent and then he has to try and keep track of what he's hearing from the association the department of ed the girls union and trying to make all sense of what's happening and then come up with a plan for how we're going to do things and he has been absolutely fantastic and a rock star um, at all of those things you know he, he's still taking care of our kids like normal um, you know, and he does a fantastic job. He was with us on that Wednesday night when we were trying to make a plan as to how Norwalk football was going to look. He sat in on all the baseball and softball talks this summer as far as how that was going to look. And he's trying to stay up on things. And, you know, you gave him an idea of like, hey, how does this, how would this look? What is, what is Warren County Health? And he has called Warren County Health um, with that idea and trying to get them to give an answer as to what they think is um, fact. For that and, and how we would be able to go about it. So he has just been phenomenal um, and he does a great job anyway. There's more on his plate and he's still rocking it. Well, he's always done a good job. You know, he, he comes to work, what, at two o'clock and sometimes has to stay till late into the night and has other outside duties beyond that. Does a great job with all the managerial side of the stuff. And uh, you can tell at every, every, senior speech uh, you know at the end of the year when it's their last game uh, how many people you know despite Pete's stoic demeanor they still seem to they still seem to love him and uh, you know he builds relationships with him over time so he's been invaluable trying to just like you said you know when I threw that idea out and I told him well I don't know if we're doing this but this is just an idea and he's like it's just helpful so you can go and probe Warren County to say is this, will this work? Will this not work? What's good about it? What's bad about it? Because we go back to that word fluid. It's a fluid situation and Warren County hears new ideas and then they think about it before really giving some responses. So yeah, it's, it's good to have him on our side trying to work something out. He's been, he's been fantastic. And I, and, and obviously going to continue, in my opinion, going to continue to be fantastic. And, and um, he is, uh, the right guy for us, you know, he's a Norwalk alum. I think he's a 2002 grad, uh, went to Co, and then was at uh, Hudson for a little while and then, and then came to us and, you know, and, and you talked about it. He's here, he's here at 2.30 and he's home, he goes home later than anybody else. And, um, you know, he's got, he's got a family that he still has to, has to be around and, and uh, take care of and, and, you know, be a dad too and a husband too. And, and that makes a, it makes it hard on them when when he's gone like that. So, well, and, it, and it's not has to be around that he gets to be around. Oh, sure, get to. Sorry, um, needs to be around. He needs to be around them. Yes. And they love um, having him there. Yes. Yeah. 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 And he just he's he's fantastic at what he does. And so I think that's a huge positive for us. And and I'll be honest with you. You know, one of the things that I think the association and the girls union and the Department of Ed and and the legislature should really work hard to try and figure out is how can we how can we generate money so that every school district in Iowa has an athletic trainer because he has made a world of difference for us and I think that's something that uh, that should be looked into and I think that's something that should be pursued because that's going to help make us safer you know in the communication communicating that he does with our school nurses when a, when a student is injured um, and then the, the nurses communicating with him and you know the return to learn not not the the COVID return to learn, but, but, you know, uh, an injury return to learn plan. Um, he's at the center of that. And there's a lot of things that he does. There's a lot of different hats. There's a lot of different duties. Uh, and, and I think everyone would benefit if we had an athletic trainer and obviously everyone would benefit if they had an athletic trainer and, and they were like Pete. Yeah. I, uh, I can't even think about trying to make the decision on injuries, much less concussions and things like that. We get the training all the time. We do this, uh, every year, you know, the online training and we always want to be on the watch out for something like that, but soft tissue injuries, uh, it, I'm happy to turn that over to him and say, you make that decision. Cause the last time I diagnosed, I said the kid didn't have a broken ankle, but he did. So I'm out. He's, he's a good one for us. So recap in episode 15, Pitfall Harry, you know, and again, uh, Pitfall came out in uh, 1982 and was released by Activision, you know, in our, our um, 
we're talking about pitfalls, you know, things that, that mistakes that we made. And so what we need from you, our listeners, is to, is to give us some feedback on uh, some of the pitfalls that you've had in your, in your career and, and maybe help some people with where you're at and what you did to, to overcome those and, and uh, get that taken care of. So uh, again, our non-sponsor Atari created in 1972. Um, and the one that I remember is the, the Atari 2600. You know, that was at uh, Richard and Lois Keller in Mount Horb, Wisconsin's uh, basement, my aunt and uncles, and used to love going up there and play combat and, and uh, asteroids and you know, different things like that that they had. So that's where we're at. You got anything else in closing? Uh, you know, I was a Nintendo guy, but I, I don't like it anymore because there's too many buttons. And it just confuses me. <laughs> so so I'm confusing. Out. Yeah, back in the day, it was just the, which direction you went in A and B. Yeah, the boys, the boys start yelling front, left, front, right, this, yeah. that, double click. L1, spin. L1. Yeah, oh, I, I don't even understand it. So I'm out. If I play I mean, Madden with, with uh, Q, because he's the only one who likes to play football, I'm just running the ball most of the time. We're going to grind Williams up. style. Mag. <laughs> easy, easy. Mag. Love it. Anyway, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening to episode 15, Talking the Walk. Uh, Pitfall Harry, love to hear from you as to, as to where you're at with that. And uh, I'm Paul Patterson signing off. This is Tom Scown. Closing time. Thank you for listening. Talking the Walk Podcast Show Yeah